that you would speak in ways that we can hear you. And Lord, may from this place only your truth be spoken and only your truth heard, that we may be drawn closer to yourself. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. All right. I don't know if you remember this or not, um, but a few years ago, we tried an experiment that didn't turn out too well. It wasn't here. It was in the diocese. It was in the city, and it was called the Bishop's Court. Does anyone remember this? Yeah? All right. So basically, we thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we got some of our young people to live in community in the Bishop's house? Not while the Bishop was living there. That'd be weird, but... Uh, he, because the bishop was living in St. John, we had this big house empty. Why not use it? And so we, we did it. We sent out invitations to young people, and we said, come and experience Christian community, intentional Christian community formed by prayer, common service, and worship. And people signed up, amaz- amazingly. And the first year, we had a couple of house parents, and then we had a few kids living in this house. And it went okay. It was all right. The second year, we got different house parents. It didn't go so well. But we thought, you know, Anglicans hate to change. So let's keep going for another year. And then things went from, uh, to, oh, this isn't healthy at all. And we've had years now to reflect on why that didn't work. And I think I, I know why. We were asking Tim Bitts hockey players to play in the NHL. That's basically why it didn't work. We are asking people who love Jesus, genuinely love Jesus, but were not mature in their faith. And they didn't know how to get themselves out of the center so that Jesus could be in the heart of what they were doing. And so it just, it got pretty ugly towards the end. Paul is in jail. At this time when he wrote, he wrote the letter to the Colossians. He's in jail. He cannot be with his church, but he has prayers for them. And if you were just to, to sum it up, you would say, I want you to be mature in Jesus. I want you to know what it's like to have the character, the heart of Christ in your body as a, as a church, but also in your ministry in the world. The bishop has asked us to uh, secure time daily, personally, and as churches to gather time together to be still, to enter into the mystery of Christ, and to learn and practice discernment. Are we Timbits? Now the good news is God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And all of us have work to do as far as growing in Christ. Our rest of our lives will be spent growing in Christ. And that's a pretty exciting venture. Scary, too. But I'd like to look at the passage today to see how does Paul pray for us? And how are we to enter into this mystery of Christ? If you don't take anything else from today, please take this. After today, after our service together, Keep this Bible reference and pray with it through the week. Enter into the mystery of who Jesus is. Read it, reread it, and read it again. And just see what God does. 
All right, let's jump in. You all have people on your prayer list that you pray for every day, right? Yeah? And sometimes it's burdensome more than others. I have a prayer for my daughter. Um, and I don't pray this for my boys, and I don't know why. I pray different things for them, like, Lord, grant me patience. Um, but for Rachel, my prayer for her every single day is that God will cause people to look at her when they see her through a lens of love and respect. I do not want her objectified. I do not want her treated any differently except for the fact that she is a person beloved by God. I want that protection for her. Paul is praying again and again for his church here. He's in jail, can't be there, but it's not a one-and-done kind of prayer thing. This is again and again. Now, I am horrible at Greek. <laughs> and I know, though, that this prayer is one sentence. And when it's in English, I have a hard time reading it. So I need to break it down because I get information overload. So what is Paul praying persistently for his church? How many times have you prayed, God, I wish you'd just tell me what to do? <laughs> yes? Paul's first prayer is that they would know God's will. I don't know if you've ever been to the reading of a will. Sometimes people will surprise you. And I wonder if they're up on a cloud somewhere laughing at you. But when you know someone, you expect to know what they would choose in a given situation. So Paul's prayer is that they would know God so fully that he, they would know his will in a given situation. They won't waste time on guesswork, but can walk in that steadfast security with God, knowing his will. That they would be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is not knowledge. It's living life abundantly. It's knowing what leads to a full life. And he wants their spirituality, their relationship with God, to be full and abundant. And that they would have understanding in a given situation. That, again, they're not wondering and wasting headspace on that kind of thing. The next thing is that they would lead worthy and fruitful lives. These kids that joined that community though for those three years, and many of us, and I'll put myself there too, have a hard time getting ourselves out of the center and placing Jesus in the center. How do we lead lives that are worthy or pleasing to God? We put Jesus in the middle. We reflect that same generosity of spirit. And we are called, we're not saved by, good, by the good things we do. We are saved to do the good things we are called to do. We are, we are entered into the kingdom by the merits of Jesus to do the works of Jesus. Now we've got to remember too that this church was persecuted. And so he prayed for their strength and for patience. Jesus, on the cross, did not say, God, smite these enemies of mine. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. When we pick up a sword in the name of Jesus, whether verbally or physically, we've lost our way. That's not what Jesus would have for us. And then he says, Learn gratitude. Have grace, grit, and gratitude. Right. Have gratitude. 
with, with what we're to do. Gratitude is essential for the Christian because it's essential for the human. When we do not have gratitude, we have a spirit of entitlement that fills us with bitterness. But when we have a spirit of gratitude, something wonderful happens. I, I was listening to the CBC this week of a woman in Newfoundland who uh, was given the diagnosis of having Parkinson's disease. So she took up boxing. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> she, yeah, she took up boxing because the, uh, the workout for boxing is like more intense than anything, I guess. Uh, and so she's doing this, and it's working for her to fight back the symptoms of Parkinson's. But she also made major life changes. One of them is she stopped partying, excessive uh, alcohol use and everything. And she said that years, like a year or so into this diagnosis, she feels more alive and healthy than ever before. Pretty cool, eh? One of the most important things she said was that first thing in the morning, she expresses thanks. The things she's really grateful for. She says some days that list is short and hard to find. But other days she just finds that when she starts to be grateful, more and more thanks, reasons for thanks comes. Essentially, human beings are called and designed to give praise and thanks where it is due. Here's the problem. Why? Why do we do all this stuff? Um, I am a, I'm a Gen Xer. Anybody here a Gen Xer? You, yeah, we're Gen Xers. No one else? Don't hear Gen X, right? What does that mean, right? Anything, anyone born before 84? Something like that. Basically, we're the best generation ever to come. <laughs> yeah. I actually was born right on the cusp, so some people will say I'm a millennial, but I don't think so because millennials drive me crazy. Uh, but a Gen Xer, one of, the, one of the criticisms that we have is that we're the slacker generation. But the reality is duty and a sense of obligation don't work for us. That turns us off. But if you give the why we do something and the challenge to do it, if we have that purpose, watch out. We'll do it. And for us, we need to remember why do we do these things? Why do we pray these things? Um, when I was a uh, teenager, uh, I, was, I went to Stone Church in St. John, and we went up for communion. And after communion, I, I went back to my pew. A pew? Remember what those are? Yeah? And I kneeled on the kneeler, which is where you kneel. And I prayed a prayer from my heart. And I remember exactly what I prayed. You ready? Almighty and ever-living God, who most, we most heartily thank Thee that Thou dost graciously feed us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of Thy dear Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Does that sound familiar? Well, it surprised me, I'll tell you, because I just prayed and that poured out. That's from the prayer book. And I knew then, in that moment, the why we pray the same prayers every week. I knew that this was filling me somehow, shaping me in my prayer life. Now, I had a lot of Baptist friends later who told me that those prayers were insincere. Not for me. And it came to shape my prayers, and it became kind of a jumping-off point of why do we do what we do we need the discipline and the shaping in order to help us in our common life together. 
So the why. Why do we pray this way? Because Jesus has qualified us. A lot of stuff in the news this week about the Canadian men's soccer team qualified for the World Cup. And all the women are like, yeah, we've been doing that for years. What's the big deal? (laughs) But here's the important thing with that, is that to be qualified doesn't mean you got it. To be qualified means you get to participate. We have been qualified to participate in what God is doing. Give thanks to God. We've also been rescued and established. I don't know if you've ever seen those horrific videos of flooding where a rescue team goes in with a boat and and there's people on the roof of a house and they throw them life jackets and stuff. They put the life jackets on. They rescue them from the roof. They move them over to firm ground and they get them out of the boat and go in for the next people. You ever see those videos? Incredible. We have been rescued, taken out of a perilous situation and put on solid ground to participate in what God is doing. Give thanks to God. I have a confession to make. I used to make fun of people for this, but I did it. I was driving to St. John last week after church. I I was running out of gas, so I went to go into Grand Bay, and I took an exit, and I I came to the top of the exit. I used to be a pastor in Grand Bay, so I was familiar with the place, but I said, oh, my goodness, there's a new church in Grand Bay called the Redemption Center. Then I looked around, there's all these bins of recyclables, right? And I was like, oh no, I make fun of people for doing that. <laughs> there you go. When you go to the Redemption Center, you give your old beat up stuff and then it is repurposed, it is renewed. We have been repurposed for blessing, to bring light, to bring healing. We have been redeemed. And then we have been forgiven. Forgiveness is love in the context of offense. It's just love. And through that love, we are invited into continued relationship. We have a lot to be thankful for. So Paul prays continuously for this church, and and he, he then says we have lots to be thankful for, and we are called to live in a particular way. Well, if you remember uh, Eric and Nicole, yeah, uh, they, they're, they're doing very well in St. John's. They're having a good time. But when they lived here in, in the area and they worshipped with us, uh, we had them over for a couple of nights for board games. I don't know what has happened to board games in the last 10 years, but they are the most complicated things. And Eric is trying to communicate how to play these games, and I'm just like, I've had math exams that were easier. <laughs> than these board games. And if he wasn't there to model how to play, I never would have been able to figure it out. But we needed, I needed the model. And so Paul shifts in his letter at this point to going from his prayer for the people, and then he, he goes into this poem or hymn about who Jesus is. And this is why this, this celebrates the mystery of who Jesus is. The head of the body. The body is the church. We are his body. But if we are his body, then the commands come from Jesus. He is the one we look to, respond to, act in accordance with. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He's the one modeling what resurrection life looks like. 
I, for one, really want to know what it's like to go through doors. Remember those resurrection stories where he just appears? And, you know, peace be with you. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, and that everything he does, he might have the supremacy even over death itself. I think I've told you about that story where I went to a youth conference and it was so liberal, like so non, very little Christian in it. There's all this like new agey stuff and I was getting really worked up. And my friend Chris said, Paul, do you believe that Christ is supreme or preeminent? I said, of course I do. And he said, then act like it. (laughs) Relax. (laughs) Christ is supreme. It's not on us. Jesus is first. And then we have been invited into this reconciliation with him, um, with Jesus. And... um, We pray every, every day with the Lord's Prayer that we would forgive others as we have been forgiven. We need to stand in that forgiveness in the knowledge of how much we've been forgiven if we are to be reconcilers in this world. Because if we don't, it gets really easy to judge if we don't appreciate how much we've been forgiven. And uh, just recently, uh, so he made so... Yeah, and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. I saw this wonderful uh, uh, bump, bumper sticker a while ago. No God, no peace. No God, no peace. And you might come back at me and say, yeah, with all the religious wars in the past few centuries, how can you say that to know God is to know peace? And I will say this. Every single one of those wars was not fought in the way of Jesus. Because he went to the cross. He didn't. So those wars were fought in, in disobedience when they were religious wars. Jesus led the way of self sacrifice. And that is what we are to do as well. So, how do we move from the Timbits Hockey League up to the NHL? I hate that because I don't even like hockey. But, uh, <laughs> uh, what do we do? Are you securing time for that oneness with Jesus, that entering the mystery? And are we practicing discernment? I heard uh, this week that the, the bishop has been receiving feedback. Discernment, yes, great. Uh, what is that? Discernment is becoming so familiar with Jesus that we can walk in step with his will and knowing how he works and where he works and when. It's something done without fretting, without the burden being on our shoulders, because Jesus is Lord and is preeminent. Um, and it is practicing in that way. Um, so, shameless plug, then, then I'll end, I promise. Uh, December the 10th, here at St. John's, we're having a quiet day. And, and so, if you would like to register for that, um, you can do so through the diocesan website. Diocese of Fredericton. Uh, if you would like to come, we're going to try to take time to secure that time to be still, to focus on the presence of Jesus with us, and to begin the practice of discernment. So that'll run on December the 10th from, it's a Saturday from uh, 10 to 3. Sound good? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you um, that you came. 
you came to show us what resurrection looks like, what life abundant looks like. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us your special grace to place you in the center of our lives, the throne of our hearts, that you could reign there and draw us into the abundant life you have for all your people. So, Lord, as we, as we come to the end of this time, we pray that your spirit would continue to work, to speak, to move in ways that we can discern and respond to so that you would be given the glory in our lives and that through us you would continue your work of reconciliation in our troubled world. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.